I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. I started a sermon series for the month of June on how to handle stress in the moment. Last Sunday, we talked about finding faith in a furnace. Next Sunday, we'll talk about finding faith in a life wreck. Today, for Matthew chapter 8, I want to talk to you about finding faith in a sudden storm. Now, growing up in the South, we are used to storms coming up in an instant. The dog days of summer often start off in the morning with a beautiful day and a clear sky. But before the day is done, a storm comes out of nowhere. It can be in the afternoon or the evening, fierce lightning, loud thunder, and sometimes it rains so hard that you can't even see your way. And just as suddenly as it starts, it stops. Amazing weather patterns to me in the southern United States that with a beautiful day, a beautiful dawn, a beautiful noonday, around 3 or 4 or 5 p.m., all of a sudden, there's a storm, a storm that catches us unaware. That's parabolic of our lives, that we can get up any morning feeling good, looking forward to the day, everything in place, excited about the day. And before the day is done, a text message, uh, something happens at the job, a phone call, something goes wrong inside the house, you get news, an email that becomes a sudden storm. And all of a sudden, where you got up encouraged and feeling good, now you're wondering, is your whole life messed up? Mistake after mistake. I can't do nothing right. It seems that every time I think I'm getting two steps ahead, I've fallen three steps behind. I went to the doctor. I didn't like the news that the doctor gave me. Or I had an awful pain shoot through my body, especially when you get a certain age. and You weren't looking for that. Sudden storms can take place. Now, with that in mind, let's read the scriptures beginning uh, in Matthew 8 that I provided for you on the screens. Let's read it together. Then he got into a boat with his disciples, followed him. Suddenly, look at this, suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, this is a familiar story. It's an episode that happened in the ministry of Jesus when he was actively involved in ministering to people. It's a beautiful time in his life and a beautiful time in the lives of those that were surrounding him. 
serving the Lord was a beautiful thing. Being able to engage with people, being able to see lives changed, bodies healed, people blessed is a wonderful thing. But even in the midst of all of that, storms come up. Now, the word teaches us that there was a sudden storm, a sudden storm. What's strange to me with this sudden storm is that in the midst of it all, it happens, according to the Bible, so quickly that everyone is caught off guard. It happens when, in the midst of all of their good times and all of their sharing and all that goes on, it happened at a time when they were not expecting it. Now, we've often used these storms to talk about the storms that happen to us, the interruptions in life, the ambushes in life that thrust us into unexpected darkness because storms happen in the darkness. A sudden storm, a sudden storm. When they are serving him, a sudden storm. When they are obeying him, a sudden storm. When they have their commitments and covenants in place with him, a sudden storm. You think if you would do right, you wouldn't have to worry about storms. You would suppose that if you are walking the walk, talking the talk, if you're a praying person, if you've got your ducks in a row, your life is in order, you don't have to worry about storms. But storms happen to every person. And the reason why we get surprised is because in the midst of these storms, we know that our life is right spiritually and we don't expect anything to happen when that is going on. Now, the Bible says that when the storm came up, they were afraid. I want to talk to you about fear for a minute because fear from surprise is right. There's nothing unusual about being afraid when you're surprised. When you get the text message or you get the notice on the job or you get some something you weren't looking for, you were surprised. And in the moment of surprise, you can feel fear. You can feel that um, you're being overwhelmed. You can be afraid. They were afraid in the midst of the surprise. Fear in and of itself is not wrong. A lot of times people teach in church that if there's fear in you, there's no faith in you. That's not absolutely right. Fear is natural. It's natural to be afraid when you get in a certain storm or change of situation. But when the Bible talks about fear being wrong, it's not fear from surprise, but fear from worry. It is a spirit of fear, which means an attitude of fear. It means that I am living with an attitude of fear. It means that I am always looking for something bad to go wrong. I'm always afraid to celebrate victories too much because I'm thinking that that may provoke something to go wrong. And so people would say, well, it's all right, knock on wood. Because I don't want the good pattern that I have right now to go in the wrong direction. So there are those amongst us who live a life of worry. The Bible calls it anxiety. Jesus called it being anxious. 
I'm worried. I don't. I, I, I can't really celebrate like I should because I'm worried. I'm worried about whether this this good trend will continue. You've noticed in your own life, a lot of times things don't seem to jump wrong until you start celebrating what's going right, and then you get to testifying and telling people what good is going on in your life, and then all of a sudden the bottom falls out. But understand this, that fear from surprise is right, but fear from worry is wrong. I've come into a dark space in my life, and in the darkness in my life, I have to understand what God is up to. Now, understand this, faith born in the light is often developed in the dark. Can you say that with me? Faith born in the light is often developed in the dark. The darkness helps me to grow. The reason why God allows sudden storms to come in upon me is because I need to know how prepared I am to handle a changing situation. The reason why the Lord allows me to be ambushed or surprised by these storms is so that I will know if I have the amount of faith necessary in order to do what I need to do. I'm actually being trained for victory. And in the midst of that, in the darkness of the storm, my fear will go up or down. It will abide or disappear based on how much faith that I have. And so when I get the bad news or when I get caught up in a storm, it's not my immediate response that matters. It is the response after my immediate response. When I'm surprised... Immediately, I may be afraid. I may feel fear. I may even feel discouragement, but I don't dwell there. People say, well, you can't control what you think about. But yes, you can. You cannot control what crosses your mind, but you can control how long you think about it. You cannot control the thoughts that would hit your mind, but you can control whether you dwell on those thoughts or not. You can't control a bird lighting on your head, but you can control whether you let him build a nest on your head. And in too many cases, when things happen and we get surprised, we get afraid, we get in fear, and then we park right there. And so then we are unsure as to what our next move ought to be based on the fact that, well, I don't understand my life. I don't understand why I'm being challenged. I don't understand what's going on in my life. And therefore, because of that, I'm afraid to move from this position. And the Bible said that they were afraid. They were afraid. In darkness, we often get afraid, but it's in the darkness that our faith grows the most. It's in the darkness where faith is developed. It's in the darkness in the struggles of life where I get stronger. It's in the darkness in the challenges of life that I know that I'm growing as a believer. The first time I came into a storm like this, I panicked. I lived in fear. I really didn't know how I was going to come out. After a short season, the Lord brought me out. So the second time a storm came up, I was more prepared for it. But then the third time it came up, I was even more prepared. By the fourth time a storm came up, I was anticipating a storm. And I knew exactly what I needed to do. Because our faith is developed in the darkness. Listen, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But it takes these storms to test the validity of our faith. 
It takes these storms to test the soundness of my faith. It takes these storms to test the strength of my faith. Without the strength of my faith, I have nothing to work with. But with the sudden storm, not the one I'm looking for, the, the, the ambush, the thing that happened that I wasn't prepared for, it's right then and right there that I know how strong I really am. So the test of our faith is not what we do in the light, but what we do in the dark. In this room, our faith is shining bright. We all look like strong believers. We all look like we can handle anything. The person sitting next to you, they look like they can take care of any business. We all in this room, in the light, look like we've got it together. But what about when the lights are out? What about when we're alone? What about when we're at home? What about when we're parked on the side of the road with a broken down car? What about when we get ambushed by the things we weren't looking for? That's when you know whether your faith is strong or not. So my faith is born in the light. It's born in this room. It's encouraged in the light of this room. It's encouraged in the teaching of the word. It's encouraged in this room. But listen, it only develops in the dark. So no matter how strong my faith is, I won't know it until I have to use it. Let's try that again. I don't know how strong I am until I have to use my muscles. I don't know how strong I am until I have to use it. A few days ago, they said that this uh, child was trapped in this particular vehicle in another city and that the mother, without thinking, lifted the vehicle to let the child out. He said, but I'm not strong enough to pick up a vehicle, but you're stronger than you think. You're stronger than you know you are, but you cannot know how strong you are until you come into a dark place. So I want to give you these things and let's be through. Number one, don't demand to understand. Can you say that with me? Don't demand to understand. Say it again, please. Don't demand to understand. When we get in a sudden storm, we mess up because we try to demand understanding. Why am I going through this? Why am I dealing with this? What have I done wrong? And in understanding what have I done wrong, why is it that in what I am doing that I cannot get an understanding on my own life? Why is it that my life keeps going in the opposite direction of where I want it to go? Don't demand to understand. I don't know why storms come up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I listen to them talk about weather patterns and barrier, the barometric pressures, but I don't understand that. I just know that my faith is right. Same thing is true with driving an automobile. I rode up in here on the grounds in a car today. I don't know how that car works. I just know how I'm supposed to do it. I know I'm supposed to put the key in. I know I'm supposed to put it in gear. I know I'm supposed to press the gas or the brake. But how it works, I really don't understand. I have to go to a mechanic to get that type of understanding. Don't demand to understand. Can you say that with me, please? Don't demand. You lose time trying to figure stuff out. You lose time trying to balance stuff out. You lose time trying to understand why I'm going through the struggle. Don't worry about understanding the struggle. Just know that your faith is in God. And knowing that your faith is in God, he is like the mechanic. He knows what's going on beyond what you may know. And he will give you wisdom to deal with it. Get out of it. He will give you wisdom that you can survive and thrive, but don't demand to understand. But the second thing we need to know is that God develops our faith when we look to him. 
when we look to him, the Bible says that when the, when the snakes were biting the Israelites, that Moses made a snake and of brass and put it on a pole and lifted it up and said, now everyone that looks up will live. And those that looked up, even though they were snake bitten, they didn't die from the snake bite. Because God develops our faith when we look to him. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me when we look to him. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now set down upon the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you also be weary and faint in your minds. It said looking to him. We have to look to him. God develops our faith when we look to him. Not when we look to the church, but when we look to him. Not when we look to other people to motivate us, to encourage us, to wipe our tears away. He wants you to look to him. The biggest problem that I find with people with faith today, their faith is directed to the wrong object, to the wrong thing. Listen, it's not about faith in faith, it's about faith in God. Now that means this, it's not about faith in God's will for your life. No, it's about faith in God. God doesn't want you to worry about his will for your life. Just love him. He doesn't want you to worry about what he wants for you in life. He just wants you to love him. If you love him, his will will be done. If you love him, he'll open the doors that nobody can close. And he'll close those doors that nobody can open because he wants me to have a relationship with him. Can you say with him? It's all about our love for him. It's all about our walking with him. It's all about our praying to him. It's not about what he does for us. It ain't about what he does through us. It's about me and him. It's about a relationship, an intimate, personal, private relationship with him. And then the next thing, God develops our faith when we lean on him. When we lean on him. when He develops our faith when we look to him. But then he wants us to lean on him. Leaning on him means that we put all of our weight on him. The Bible teaches in the book of Proverbs. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So when we look to him, we have a development in faith. And when we lean on him, Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Or the Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not lack. Or the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not be in lack. Do you know that you have everything you need when you have the relationship with God? You don't lack anything. When you pray, be careful that you're not saying to God that you need something. Because once you call his name, you have already said, I've got everything I can ever need. If you go on with this need, I need, I need, I need, you're saying to God, you're not enough for me. You, I, I need more than what you've done in my life. I need more than who you are in my life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in lack. 
I shall not be in lack. And then the Bible said that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. I'm leaning on you. I'm depending on you. And in a sudden storm, what did they do? They understood that with Jesus on board, that he is the answer to the storms. The Bible said that he got into the boat with them. He was in the boat. Everybody say, he's in my life with me. Yeah, I know your life may have some challenges, yes. I know you may have some some struggles, yes. But listen, the comfort is in the fact that he is in the boat with you. He is in the life with you. He is in the transition with you. When they fired you, they fired him. When they laid you off, they laid him off. When they denied you, they denied him. He is in the situation with me. He's not out there. He's not above there. He's not beyond there. He's right here with me. He was in the boat with his disciples. And the Bible said, while they were in the boat, suddenly a furious storm came. I'm almost through now. Somebody say suddenly. Even with the presence of him in my life, in my experiences, in what I deal with, even though he's aboard with me, it does not exempt me from sudden surprises and they were on the lake and the bible said the waves swept over the boat but jesus was sleeping how do you sleep in a storm a whole lot of you have trouble sleeping in a storm in a house with the doors locked in a house that's tight sealed uh in a house uh, insulated in a house how do you sleep in a boat in a storm when the wind is so violent the bible said it was blowing the waves over the boat but he's still asleep that's where he wants us to get to that point where we can sleep through a storm he wants me to get to that point that when you give me bad news i can shake it off i don't have a witness he wants us to get to the point that when we get interrupted it doesn't interrupt what we're doing he could sleep in the midst of a storm, in a boat that's being tossed about in the lake. But he sleeps. And the disciples woke him and said, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And you know what he said? You of little faith, why are you so afraid? You know, Jesus taught about no faith. He taught about little faith, and he taught about great faith. And everyone in this room falls into one of those three categories. You either have no faith or you have little faith, or you have great faith. No faith means there's no victory. Little faith means you got enough faith to wake him up, but you're still scared. You got enough faith to pray, but you still don't half believe that the prayer is going to work. You got enough faith to come to church, but you're coming to church looking for what you can get rather than for having a relationship with him. I don't have a witness here. Little faith means I got just enough faith to know that if things go bad, I need to get a prayer through. I'm just not sure whether I can get it through or not. Little faith means, Lord, I'm going to pray and just do whatever you can to help me. I don't know if you can get me out or not, but I'm just right here right now. But then what we need is great faith. And great faith is the kind of faith that lets you sleep through the storm. Great faith is the kind of faith that acknowledges that even though I'm sleeping through the storm, I'm not sleeping because I don't care. I'm not sleeping because I'm nonchalant. I'm sleeping because I know that the storm trooper of all ages is on board with me. 
He said, you have little faith? Why are you so afraid? And then the Bible said he got up and rebuked the winds and rebuked the waves. And it was completely calm. What does that mean? He gets up. He goes on the deck. He looks at nature and tells nature, shut up. Why were they afraid? And I'm through. Why were they afraid? They didn't know how to do that. Do you know how to speak to your storms? Do you know how to speak to your mountains? You know what comes out of your mouth often calms you or upsets you? You ever wondered at a funeral? I had a funeral not too long ago, and as they were lowering the lid on the casket, people started screaming more and more. You know, the more people scream, the more other people scream. And the more you scream, it's not the better you feel, it's the worse you feel. I don't have a witness here. Listen, if you need to reverse the storm, you got to know how to talk to a storm. And you've got to let it come out of your mouth. You've got to say what your attitude is about the storm. You've got to speak faith to the storm. Speak God's word to the storm. You've got to look at that storm and say, uh-uh, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I shall bring down. you got to look at that storm and say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. He shall strengthen my heart. you got to look at that storm and say, uh-uh. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. you got to look at that storm and say, uh-uh. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Jesus Christ you got to look at that storm and say no thanks be to God that gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord you got to let the right words come out of your mouth you got to face the storm can you say face the storm see most of us like to hide from the storm run from the storm we go to our room and shut the door don't want to talk to nobody we, we get introverted we close the world out because we're embarrassed that we're in a storm you got to learn how to be in your storm and not be ashamed I said you got to learn how to be in it and not be ashamed so you lost your house so what so you lost your job so what so you lost your money so what don't you know that if you got faith in him he'll give you another house he can give you a better job he can restore your money don't you be ashamed because you're going through a struggle what you got to do is open your mouth and make the right confession he spoke to it. The Bible said, he said, peace, be still. Sometime in the midst of your trouble, you got to know how to speak peace to it. I say you got to know how to speak peace to it. You got to know that you need to speak peace. But listen, the peace you're speaking is not so much to the storm, but to your own heart. When you get in the midst of a mess, you know what you need to say to yourself? Peace, be still. You need to command your soul to not be torn apart. You need to command your soul to not be full of worry. You need to command your soul to not get depressed. You need to look at yourself and say, peace, be still. You need to get in the mirror and look in your eyes, eye to eye, and say, peace, be still. You need to take a selfie with your selfie stick. And then when you get the picture, look at yourself and say, peace, be still. You can speak peace to your own life. You need to speak peace to your own situation. Because when it's said and done, he is able to do.
exceedingly and abundantly beyond what you ask and beyond what you think. In the midst of a storm, he is a storm trooper. In the midst of a storm, he is a mighty weatherman. In the midst of a storm, he can ride it out with you in his hand. And then he can stop the blowing of the wind, the striking of the lightning, the rolling of the thunder. He's able. I wish I had somebody that's been through a storm. Anybody been through a storm ever? Didn't know why it happened. You thought you were doing better. But all of a sudden the bottom fell out. But you're a living witness right here, right now. If you give it over to him, he's able to take care of you. I said, he's able. You know, I like that song. They sang a little while ago. It said, you're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know that you're near. But I want to tell you, he doesn't have to let you know. I will let you know. He is near. He's here right now. He's here to heal you. Right now. He's here to calm your storm. Right now. He's here to deliver you. Right now. Right now. Right now. He's a storm. He's a storm eliminator.